Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Here we are. It's another. Oh my goodness, we got some food. <laughs> Here we are. It's another Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. On a Saturday, I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker de France is here. Say hello. Well, hello. And our guest is John Rhodes. John. Good hello. afternoon, folks. All righty then. And, and this is John's second trip. This is John's second trip, and we're going to be talking about um, John's dad and grandfather being inducted into the National Rodeo Hall of Fame. Uh, today, but before we get involved in that, you've got something you want to. I've got a little uh, Emil Franci news of the West. It looks like our good movie cowboy friend Clint Eastwood is going to do another picture called Cry Macho in New Mexico. Should be done here in Arizona, but it's going to be over there. It's a modern western. Warner Brothers has announced production of the new Clint Eastwood western film to take place in New Mexico. The 90-year-old Oscar winner will direct and star in the film Cry Macho. Uh, no other cast members have been announced. Production is scheduled to start November 4th, which means it's about halfway through, and the 16th of December. And the film is based on a book of the same name by Richard Nash. In it, Mr. Eastwood plays a one-time rodeo star and horse breeder who, in 1978, takes a job from a former boss to bring the man's young son home from Mexico, and the film will follow their journey back. Uh, hopefully, maybe we'll have some more westerns down the road. The other little piece of news I got here is that the Rocky Mountain, or not the Rocky Mountain, the Mountain Oyster Club <laughs> is having their 51st annual Contemporary Western Art Show and Sale, and... Uh, this is, it looks like it might be one of the few things a person can do to get out of the house. It says, join us for cocktails and hors d'oeuvres to view fine art by many of the best traditional and contemporary Western artists. This year we are offering many previews throughout the month of November to view the artwork and are implementing the recommended measures to ensure the safety of our guests and staff. To reserve your spot for a preview, you can contact them at contact them at 520-792-0319 or at email by art at mountainoysterclub.com. And the shoe is also available to view on their website at www.mountainoysterclub.com. And if you've ever seen their artwork, they've got one of the finest collections of Western art you'll ever see. Big time. Yeah. Big, big time. And we got to work on getting them to let us do a show up. Ah, that be that would be cool. That would be very cool. What, you got something else, or you, or well, you want would, me to go with mine? Why don't you read it? <clears throat> well, I, I, I have I have a, a, a bit a fair, bit fair labor organization. Okay, I have a, a, a bit o cowboy wisdom here. Um, Phil Loy writing uh, about the westerns of the first sixty years of the twentieth century. And, and we love the westerns of the first sixty years of the twentieth century. We love westerns, period. Up until up until you know when. Well, yeah. Um, the and and Phil writes the films represent an era when the country was more rural, less urban, less sophisticated, less economically well off, more cooperative, and this is important. Could laugh at itself. Westerns, which took many forms, were a favorite for people of all ages of that era because they represented their values and their life experiences. That sounds like the era of uh, John and Teddy uh, Rhodes, doesn't it? <laughs> That's a good segue. Yes, it is. <laughs> good segue. Our guest is John Rhodes today. And, and you, you get to talk yeah, to him. You, I'm going to open, open up the, the food. Door. You open yeah, up I was going to say, I was just going to eat there. I was <laughs> So, uh, John is here today because John and Thomas Rhodes were father and son who both excelled in roping events. John born on October 3 of 1887. He passed November 25 of 1973. Thomas was born in July 24 of 1915 and passed in September 15, 1981. Both born in Arizona, both became cattle ranchers there, and John competed from 1919 to 1968 
and Thomas from 1933 to 1960. John was a 1936 and a 1938 world champion team roper, a 1944 champion steer roper, and a 1947 champion team tire. He is known for innovating healing from the right side in team roping and was instrumental in founding the Tucson, Arizona Rodeo. Thomas was a world champion steer roper in 1943, champion team roper in 1944, and world champion team tire in 1945 and 1946. Those are some hell of accomplishments. You covered everything. The show's <laughs> over. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> that, those are absolutely incredible accomplishments. And, and uh, these two gentlemen inducted into the National uh, Rodeo Hall, Museum, Hall of Fame Museum. Yeah, they... Uh, um, and it's funny thing is, I never, I never heard growing up, I knew that they were good. I used to go to, I was, from the time I could walk, I was going to rodeos every weekend with either one or the other of them. And I always knew they were good because they always seemed to win money. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> a lot of new saddles yeah. around But never heard anything about, well... In the early days, there, were, there was no such thing as a world champion, yeah. um, a, a legitimate world champion. Like, for example, if in the 20s, if you won the uh, team roping in Cheyenne, you were the world champion team roper. That is, until the Pendleton Rodeo. And then the Pendleton Rodeo, yeah. if somebody else won it, he was the world That's champion. That's because there were no sanctioning organizations. Yeah. So there's no, yeah. like the PRCA runs it now, yeah. and, the, and it's based on your winnings. Yeah. Fortunately, uh, well, not fortunately, but... Their their uh, championships were all won in a competitive yeah. manner. They weren't just a one rodeo, one shot deal. But um, but I I never heard about anything like that growing up. And uh, I was uh, I inherited my grandmother's old suitcase full of stuff. I never really dug into it until um, many years later. Yeah. And I found down in the bottom of it a bunch of scrapbooks and things and found all these um, newspaper clippings and articles out of the uh, magazines and things. And I thought, boy, they, they were pretty good. They, you know, every place they went, they mm-hmm. covered the whole uh, western half of the United States. And uh, I said, they were pretty good. And I, I ran across um, an old family friend, the, the Parker family. Bud Parker was a well-known Arizona cattleman in the same vein as uh, my dad and my grandfather. And they had a ranch adjacent to my grandfather. And my grandfather and Bud Parker were very close friends. And I ran into Bud's great-grandchildren. And they had just gotten Bud installed in the Hall of Fame. And I said, well, how did you do that? And so Mary Alice Gaylor, a friend of the... Uh, his great-granddaughter gave me a copy of the book that she'd submitted. And I looked at it, and I thought, I can match that with, <laughs> with this two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so then I went and talked to uh, uh, a friend from high school, Mel Potter, who uh, I went to high school with, who his daughter is a world champion uh, barrel racer. And Mel's in the Hall of Fame as a stock producer. And I talked to him, and he knew my dad and grandfather. And... Uh, because he's a local local guy, and uh, he knew them, and he said, oh, he says, they should, they probably both belong in there. He, and he says, why don't you submit it? I said, it's, it's hard to sub, hard to separate their, their one from the other because they were competed mm-hmm. with each other and against each other, and it's just hard to separate them and build a case for them. He said, well, put them both in there at the same time. So... That's okay. a smart well, idea, really, because they're, yeah. they're, they're the first father-son champions. They were the father, first father and sons. Second happened to be Reba McIntyre's dad and grandfather. Let's have one up well, on Reba. <laughs> I heard I heard this, and, I, and, and it makes more sense than, than most things I, I understand. But I heard that when they would rope together, and if they had a bad day, and oh, didn't win yeah. any money. It, it wouldn't talk to each other for a week. We, we talked. John and I talked about that before air. <laughs> yeah. Go on with that story, yeah. please. <laughs> I, yeah, we, we, you know, they, we may come back from a rodeo and and one or the other had either missed or they'd broken the barrier or one thing or another yeah. can always happen. And uh, if it happened to one of them, the other one would 
would be so angry that they wouldn't speak to each other for, oh, maybe a week or two. And I don't care if we were rounding up and we were working, <laughs> all of us working in the same corral, yeah. they still wouldn't talk to each other. <laughs> that is I can just say there'd be a rattlesnake down there instead of going, hey, there's a snake down there by your boot. it just go. <laughs> <laughs> But, that that is some that is competitive, way, but, way competitive. But even yet, even then, there was never any. And never, I never knew that they were world champion, yeah. anything until I started reading my grandmother's stuff and started putting it together. But the the challenge was the way that the Rodeo Hall of Fame is set up is you submit a, your applications in either the living category or the deceased category, and if you submit it in the living category, they the uh, board of directors of the, of the Rodeo Historical Society narrow it down to mm-hmm. 12 um, finalists. In the deceased category, they narrow it down to two finalists, or four finalists, I'm sorry. And by nominating them together, then that, uh, they only counted as one, not counted as two. And then those are submitted to the Rodeo Historical Society membership, and the members then vote on who they want based on little short bios that somebody writes up based on your submission. Uh, and then they, somebody there writes up yeah. their bio that'll fit in the space allotted to them. And then they send a copy of the ballots to all of the members and then they vote on it. And then the top six or the top half of the living and the top two or top half of the, of the deceased then become uh, Well, you know, and, and I know, because I, I've Looking at the Western Riders, you know, because they do every year, they do, they induct somebody into a couple of different categories, and they'll have, for the their their library history, Western Library uh, history of whatever you know, the guy that year, and you got three deceased guys, and you're looking at them, and all three of them should be in. And you go and get one, mm-hmm. and you're going, "Wow, that is tough." And I was looking, I was looking at, you know, the, some of the lists for the different different categories. Because I've seen all these old names I grew up with, and I'm going, "That guy didn't make it." You know, like that tough Hedeman. I, I don't know if he made it or not. I saw. I, I remember him. I remember him as a kid, and but I go, "Cheaper." I'm going up, and they, and they got hundreds of lists there. You know, so they got a list for, for everything. Well, they, um, and then, then again, so these are sent out to people. By the time my, by the time my father and grandfather were, yeah, they don't through rodeo, all those people are gone. Yeah, and all, none of the contestants that uh, were uh, roped with them and against them uh, were all gone, and uh, so it name recognition is. First, first battle, and, and to get yeah. name recognition was uh, uh, where it became tough. Our guest is John Rhodes, his dad and grandfather being inducted tonight, actually. Well, they're not well, going to hold should have been. Should have been inducted tonight into the Rodeo uh, Hall of Fame. Um, for those of you listening to the show on our M-I-X-L-R, I'm going to have to find out how to pronounce that. Mix- say that? <clears throat> I'm guessing Mixler. For those of you listening on our Mixler app, <laughs> uh, you can you can uh, chat away with us here if you got a question, or uh, you can send a question to uh, Voices of the West at gmail dot com. We'll be happy dot net rather. No, gmail dot com. We'll be happy to um, answer it. And I think I'm doing shut up now. Well, I was thinking too. You know, you know, you, you, you get something. Just think about not just what they did, but some of the guys that they competed against. Like Ben Johnson, Buckshot Sorrels, you know, they competed against, you know, ropers that are better known, but they they were winning. The other guys weren't always winning. Well, they, and and the uh, if you look and I and I went back and I look I've looked and in the days that they were roping, Southern Arizona pretty and Southern mm-hmm. Arizona, New Mexico, and West Texas pretty much dominated the ropers. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the guys that are in the Hall of Fame and, and the era that they roped in, and I looked in uh, in the latest list in uh, of standings for the PRCA, and there are no Arizona Cowboys in, and there's one. Yeah. Uh, it's turned out it hasn't uh, 
it just that's faded away in, in Arizona. Even though the rodeos are big, are big time rodeos, yeah, and uh, still to draw the big crowds, but for some reason the local cowboys are not involved. Oh, you know, in, in, in 1962, when I got out of the Navy, I got home to Rio Doce, and I, I think that weekend or the next weekend that I got home, I saw in the paper that they were having uh, a 10-head jerk down over at uh, Carrizosa, Sonny Wright and Sonny Davis. And I've seen steer roping, but I'd never seen jerk down. And I went over, and it was just, just the two of them, one, you know, one right at, back and forth, back and forth. And I'll tell you, that was, I think, of all the rodeos I've ever seen, of all the stuff, and I love the saddle bronc more than anything, I think that was the greatest moment for me for rodeo, is watching these two guys roping against each other. And, you know, it, 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 a lot of people, they don't know what uh, jerk down is. Would you like to explain it, or would you like me to I've, although I've never heard it called that, <laughs> but yeah. but steer roping is is a uh, when this uh, you rope with the same as you same size animal that you rope with team roping, and it's only one person ropes him, and you rope him, you tally the um, take your rope after you've caught the head, you rope, bring him around his back feet, you ride to the other side, you trip him, then you have to get down off your horse, run down and tie him. Before yeah. it gets back up again, or then it really becomes a circus. And <laughs> you, you, you're talking about fast roping, and you're talking about a horse that, without the horse, you don't because oh, he's no. keeping he's keeping the steer down with the tension. Yeah, that's the which brings up my question. I want to know about the horses that your dad and granddad rode. They 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 had they had family names, and everybody had to know them. Yeah, they um. My dad, my one of my dad's favorite horses was a Joe Reed horse, which was a well-known name. And then uh, my dad also had a horse out of Driftwood, which is probably still one of the most famous horses. Uh, but my granddad, <laughs> my granddad said the best horse that she could have is a gray horse. He didn't care where it came from. Mm-hmm. And he had one. Matter of fact, it was written up by in an, uh, a book on on rodeo horses as. Uh, as an outsider, they called him the flea-bitten gray because he was just a little, he was a little old horse, but he was the greatest horse, but he was wild. And this, he used to let guys ride him when they used to have, in the days older years ago, they had grand entries at the road. Where all the cowboys rode into the arena and lined up at the beginning. And and uh, my granddad, <laughs> Dale Smith, was a member of the Hall of Fame, and Dale said, hey, John, let me borrow that horse. I want to ride him in the granny. John said, yeah, I'll let you. Got, <laughs> Dale got on him, and the horse ran away with him. <laughs> Took him clear to the other end of the reader. Nobody could ride him but my granddad, <laughs> but he was a heck of a horse. That's funny. We're talking with uh, John Rhodes, his uh, dad and, fa- and grandfather, uh, inducted into the... Uh, Rodeo Hall of Fame. We're going to take a break and be right back after these very important messages. Do stay tuned. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and a hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities 
activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honorveterans to find out how you can help. Watch classic Western movies anytime at voicesofthewest.net. on Emil Franzi's The Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France. Todd Roberts is elsewhere today. He's Our, somewhere near Anaheim. <laughs> Our guest is John Rhodes, his dad and grandfather being inducted into the Rodeo Hall of Fame. John, your your granddad was instrumental in uh, helping form the Tucson Rodeo. Yeah, um, like, like I was saying earlier, he, Bud Parker was uh, the three... There were three that were the the big movers and shakers in the uh, uh, from the cowboy side, not from the money side or the organization side, but you know that were setting up the rodeo, the actual right. performance. Right. And that was uh, J.C. Kinney, Jack Kinney, and uh, Ed Eccles, and, and then Bud Parker. Well, Bud Parker, like as I said before, and my granddad held ranch together, and Bud supplied part of the stock and. My grandfather would help him get ready, and and but he would attend to everything. And they, and they uh, of the first ten rodeos in Tucson, my grandfather was one of the judges. He and Bud and Ed were all three Timing judges. Judge. Um, I mean, judge. Yeah, t- uh, and the field judge, the judge, the judge, uh, they were one of the tie down whether or not they got loose, or they stayed tied down, yeah. and, and then uh, flag man. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> It would also be, uh, judge the bronc riders because oh, they would okay. be a horseback in the arena yeah. and they could see up close what they were doing. And so, yeah, he was uh, he was kind of a he was helping Bud. He and Bud uh, worked together to help when they first set it up in 1925. They ever think it was going to turn into what it has turned into? I think probably they always hoped so because they'd all into places like Cheyenne and saw yeah. what successful it was. And the first rodeo, there was a, there was a train that came from one of the bases in Texas that brought uh, soldiers over for it. And they rented out Pullman box car, uh, Pullman passenger cars down at the radio down at the uh, railroad station for people to rent out to this, come to stay in his, his motel. Interesting. <laughs> you know, just maybe just for a little clarification. Because we, we keep referring to the Rodeo Hall of Fame, and that's located at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum in Oklahoma City. And that's, you know, that's big time in, in, in cowboy. Yeah, it's it's a national uh, museum. There is also a PRCA, yeah, Professional well, Rodeo Hall Colorado. of Fame, and that's in Colorado Springs. Uh, Colorado Springs. And... During my conversations with people, I said, you know, that would be a nice one, but the real feather in your cap is to get into the one in Oklahoma yeah, that's City. Yeah, that's the one everybody that's, wants to hear. That's, what, were they associated with the, the sanctioning organization, your dad and grandfather? They, The first sanctioning organization for rodeo was the Cowboy Turtle Association. 
yeah. uh, which was named because they said they were they were slow and they had their head buried. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it took them a long time to stick their head. Out. Yeah, yeah, so, that was nineteen thirty-six. Yeah, and that was when they first started, and they they were number. I may be off on number two, 46 and 56, I think, were their two joining numbers. In the well, I know, you know, it's t- so funny. I had a really good friend for years, Bud Stout. You probably knew him. I knew Dave Stout. Yeah, well, no, well that, that might be, I knew uh, Bud Stout, and I didn't, if his real name was Dave, I never knew Couldn't it. Be. But he, one of his most proud possessions was that, that little silver turtle, turtle. on his head. Screwed to his belt, you know, and it was just, and I, and I thought, gee, that is so neat because, you know, John Bailey, he had one. And you're going, these guys are the real McCoy. You know, there's no, it's like, you know, you know, show me your diploma. No, show me your button. <laughs> yeah, we we had talked uh, before air about who put on the first rodeo and when, and there's a lot of discrepancy of that, and and nobody really knows. No, there's been a, there's a lot of claims. Like we were talking earlier, there's a lot of claims. To, uh, Prescott continues contends mm-hmm. that they're the oldest rodeo. Payson continues that contends that they're the oldest continuous rodeo. There's a couple of places in Texas that no, we had rodeos before that. I think Sonoida is, is uh, they have a long claim also. Well, you know, here's the thing too. You know, when you're talking about the first rodeo, you know, I'm sure that out in California. On the old Mexican ranchos, back in the 1700s, they were having a their their version of what we would call a rodeo. Same way in Texas, you know, with the early, the early ranchers, the cowboys get together and they compete. Now they call them ranch rodeos. Yeah. Nowadays, that's what they call them. And for there was a period of time, and, and I the dates escape me right now. And in the in the 19 early 1900s, when Roping was outlawed in Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona. Yeah. Cattle, the cattle growers associations in those three got bills passed because so many of their so many of their riders that were working practicing. for them were practicing oh. their cattle oh. and oh, yeah. breaking a leg and breaking. <laughs> okay. And there was no rules <laughs> out there at uh, the Awa, whatever it is, the Hot Water Ranch out Agua there. Caliente? Yeah, out there. Yeah. The, there's a. They got a list of rules for the cowboys, you know, no drinking, no cussing, and no roping. <laughs> <laughs> so, but they finally overturned and, and in those days, then, they had, they, uh, they all went to Juarez, and Juarez had Oh, a yeah, that was the cattle, what, they had, had its own name, cattle... Yeah, I've forgotten the name of it. Yeah, but yeah it there had, was. Yeah, it and was it was a huge, huge yeah. thing in Juarez, because all of the cowboys got a from, book on that, yeah. Uh, came from all over to rope there. And that's where... Uh, they sent a bunch out here to one of the Tucson rodeos one year. I was reading. Mm-hmm. They like put them on a train and shipped them out, livestock, the horses, and the guys. well, the first time they did that was to the, uh, Calgary. Yeah, they shipped. They got a bunch of them that uh, were, were good there, and both Ed Eccles and Bud Parker happened to be on that trip. Ed Eccles won the team roping. Yeah, and he was the world champion. And he claimed the world championship for the rest of his life. <laughs> and old Ed was never really a whole lot of <laughs> didn't win a lot of money. He was a good politician, though. <laughs> Parker, he was pretty he pretty well-known for his bucking bulls, too. Yeah. yeah. He had some pretty well-known bulls. I understand he, they took some bulls to some rodeo. I don't remember the rodeo. They took them to the rodeo, and the... Uh, they knew they were in trouble when they saw the bucking shoots, and they they loaded the bulls. And the bulls were said they most of his bulls would stand pretty quiet, but they got in them old rickety shoots. All of a sudden, they tore the place apart, tore down the shoots, tore down the bucking shoots, jumped the fence, scattered scattered all the people that come to watch it. Said it yeah, it was a real rodeo. Yeah, they. Uh... There was there used to be one old bull too that everybody used to that one of the clowns would ride him, but they wouldn't put it they wouldn't put a, a, a strap around his yeah uh, which is what makes Link a buck strap, yeah and and he'd ride him and then the old bull was docile enough he'd walk around with him found <laughs> waving at the crowd. <laughs> there was a guy over when I was over in Hawaii 
uh, they had a little place called Saddle City on the windward side of the island, and they would have weekend rodeos. And all of the bucking stock came from the big island, from the ranches. And the guy that owned the place owned a little mare that she was born with without one eye, so it was just a, a haired over socket. And they would, or the saddle brawl, they would lead her out on the ring into the arena with his three little kids on her. They'd lead her out and lead her around, right? And they, they never bucked her in competition, just exhibition. They'd stick her in the chute, put a saddle on them, and she would augur these Hawaiian cowboys and the Navy cowboys that thought they thought they could ride something. And she was phenomenal. <laughs> Well, I think we're going to take a break here. We are talking with John Rhodes, his father and grandfather, inducted into the Rodeo Hall of Fame at the National Cowboy Museum. I know I screwed up that name, but in any event, it's a good thing. And uh, this is Amo Francie's Voices of the West. We're going to take our break here, be right back with much more right after these very important messages. Do stay tuned. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Paul Ash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Paul Ash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. First, contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. With the fall and the coming of cooler weather, Tucson Trap and Skeet now institutes our fall hours. Office hours are Wednesday through Sunday from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m., and automated fields are open daily from 7 a.m. until dusk. So come out and shoot from one of our 50 trap fields, 13 skeet fields, or five international bunkers. Visit TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com for all of our upcoming events or call 883-6426. Hi, everyone. This is Susan McRae. Welcome to Chaparral Roundup. I Chaparral debuted back in 67 and lasted until 71. March 12th through the 14th in Tucson, Arizona, I'll be hosting Chaparral Roundup, a get-together with fans, friends, and special guests featuring confessions of an acting cowboy, highlights of the life and career of Don Collier, who was Sam Butler on the show, lunch at the White Stallion Ranch, the location where we shot several episodes of the High Chaparral, with music, a Western show, a question and answer panel with special guests, the great Western band, Fort Worth West, and so much more. The registration form with all information is on the website, chaparralroundup.com, or on the Facebook page, Chaparral Roundup, March 12th through the 14th, 2021, in Tucson, Arizona. Great fun with great people. Chaparral Roundup. You don't want to miss it. Oh, and something else. You know, women down there can vote. Vote? Yeah. Women vote? Yeah. Oh, that, it's times like these. It just makes me give thanks that I don't know how to read. This is the Voices of the West. Leave it to a Hagen. <laughs> All I can say is they should be making apple pies and not and not voting. 
Uh, welcome back to Emil Francis, uh, Voices of the West. Harry Alexander and Bunker DeFrance, our guest, John Rhodes. Um, wanted to also mention that the uh, uh, you can also access the High Chaparral reunion page through our website, voicesofthewest.net. There's a link uh, directly there to take you to the big shenanigans and get you signed up. We hope to see you there. We're going to be there. You're going to be there. Be there or be a knothead. There you go. There you go. All right, go ahead. Well, you know, I've got a little piece here. This is from the Arizona Daily Star, Saturday morning edition, February 23rd, 1929. Now, that's a day that your family was prominent in, but I'm going to, I'm going to read, read just a little portion of it here. Mexican writers of southern Arizona uh, counties rode into prominence yesterday. Jose Gomez and B. Estrada... Steam steer tying team from the Empire Ranch. Uh, uh, I lost my place. Empire Ranch uh, led the field yesterday in the event, which is second only to bulldogging. Now the interesting thing is the fellows, the fellows that came in second, there was a fellow named Antonio Ramos and a fellow named John Rhodes. They had a time of 31 seconds. They got beat by the other two gentlemen because they had a time of 30. <laughs> there was that, and that doesn't mention probably the best Hispanic, Mexican American, Hispanic, whatever you want to call them. The best one of the bunch was a guy named Tony Altamarino. Yeah, Tony Altamarino. My dad said he, my dad said he roped with him one time, and he swears that Tony was blind, but he still caught him, and they won first money up in Phoenix. <laughs> but Tony roped with everybody, and the only reason he's not in the Hall of Fame is because there's nobody that ever nominated him. And that's the reason there's some of the other those old-timers yeah, yeah. Are, are not there. What was it like growing up? Uh, I mean, here you've got your father and grandfather, uh, big-time rodeo people. And, I mean, what was it like around the ranch? I mean, they, they weren't practicing or anything. I mean... Were they just doing their job and then, oh, it's the weekend, let's go uh, win some money? Pretty much. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and this is why like this is why the Arizona Ropers did so well in those days. There's this, nowadays they've got rodeo schools where yeah. they teach them to rope. Mm-hmm. But they did so well because of the where they're roping. They're working cattle and they're working them in the Under any in patches, patches of cactus. And they're working mm-hmm. on a rocky hillside. They're roping them from everywhere at every angle. And they got where they could do it, and they had to get down and get them tied up before they got away, and and uh, it, it made believers out of all of them. You look at some of the places. If you knew any of these guys went to their ranches, I mean, it's, these aren't. And the thing too, well, of course, lots. <laughs> they consider themselves ranchers first, and and ropers second. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, especially your dad, from what I read. Well, yeah, he was. Uh, I, I was. <laughs> I was telling Harry that. Um, Harry asked me if I ever was involved in it, and I said, well... Yeah, that's a good story. <laughs> not, not really. I was never really involved in it because I would work. I worked at the ranch, and I could do everything. I could shoe a horse. I could pull a calf if I danced there. I could do all those things, and I could rope pretty well. You were a ranch kid. Yeah, but um, my dad never did encourage me, and I never really got to rodeo until I met Mel Potter. Well, Mel Potter had a place out on the east side because his family held a... They were cranberry farmers. They had a, mm-hmm. and he came out here for his health, and they built him a little rodeo arena. I, when knew, he got I think used I knew his grandkids, and sons. Yeah, you could, yeah. And uh, <laughs> and uh, so we, I, he, I, we were in high school together, yeah. and he says, "Come on out, let's rope some together." And I said, "Okay." So I would go because we, I lived in town with my grandparents to go to school to some high, and um, so I. would We'd go out there during the after school and we'd rope a little bit. And one day he says, well, "Why don't we go down to Wilcox and rope in the rodeo down there?" I said, "Okay, let's do that." <laughs> and so we we went down there and there was a guy I don't know, that owned the feed store out here, Bum Post. That owned Post oh okay yeah, feed. there's a there's a name. And old Bum Post was out there. It was in Wilcox. Well, I didn't have a horse because I didn't want to tell my dad I was going. <laughs> so um, I went over and asked old Bum. I says, "Come on, you know." Mel and I asked him, can, can we borrow one of them horses, one of your horses, so we can rope? Mel said, or Bum said, sure, Eric, let's do that. 
So we borrowed one. Well, we we roped Mel. He headed him, pulled him over, but he ran up against the side of the, the fence, and I couldn't get a shot at him. So we never we end up with no time. But oh, several weeks later, my dad says, "Come on, get drive the truck in town. We're going to go ahead and get a load of hay." So we went in and we got into to the feed store there, and Bob comes over and says, "Hey, Butch," he said, "I'm." Uh, you didn't win any money. I'm sorry you didn't win anything. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even imagine the look I got from my that, 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 that eyebrow went up, right? <laughs> <laughs> he got home and he, he lit into me and he says, you know, you make a good $40 a month cowboy, but you aren't a cattleman. When you learn how to work cow, when you learn how to be a, cow, a real cattleman, then you can go rodeo. That's got to put a big damper on your career, doesn't it? <laughs> Step down the ego a little bit too. <laughs> what do we got here? Okay, let's see. Oh, okay, here we go. We got a. This is just just kind of give everybody an idea of the kind of competitors your your dad and granddad were. They competed at uh, Cheyenne, Pendleton, Salinas, Tucson, Phoenix, Prescott, Reno, L.A., Pecos. That was. That was the big ones. In that was days. the big ones. Yeah, yeah. that's that's pretty wonderful. And they won pretty much at one time or another. Won them all. Did they ever go back east to like uh, New York or any of those? Never did because they couldn't be gone that long. Yeah, it that was a long trip, and then, you know and they, you have to ship your horse. You'd or, have to ship your horse or pull him on a trailer. In, in the twenties, you didn't pull yeah. a trailer very far. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you wouldn't get past Albuquerque. No, but they they covered pretty much the, the west. Yeah. And then when I got older, why they got a little, just leave me home taking care of the ranch, and they'd go off. My dad, I, my granddad and dad had separate ranches, mm-hmm. and I was living in my dad's ranch. Well, here we go. Uh, I got here 1939 at Reno. The team roping. Uh, your granddad, John, and Gordon Davis won. There's the name we know. And then uh, a couple years later in 41, uh Again at Reno, Gordon Davis and Ashbury Schnell, uh, they tied with your dad and Davis. Davis actually won twice. (laughs) Ashbury Schnell and my grandfather, if you look at the standings, 36 and 38, my granddad was a world champion. 35 and 37, or 37 and 39, I forget which, Ashbury Schnell was. And those years that they weren't, they were second. They roped together those four years. Yeah. And at one to- one point, they took a trip up the coast from Salinas, went up into Oregon, into Washington, and they won. Uh, they won. Th- they won the rodeo in three different places, and were in second and third. And the others, uh, they really cleaned up. They were- now, did your dad or granddad ever ride rough stock, or did they no. Just no, stayed with the rope? And- Smart man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's okay. Your granddad was active. Was he active in rodeo until he was 80? Or he was 80. He worked in the Tucson Rodeo. Was, uh, he was not not competing, though. Yeah, he competed. He, he competing. He competed. I think he won. A, he won. I don't remember. I think the last new one was in the 50s. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that, that's incredible. Well, you know, we keep talk, we're talking mostly about steer roping, but they were calf ropers, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because uh, I my granddaddy. Your da- dad, or John won, uh, took second in, in Tucson in 1923 in the calf rope. Yeah, the, the, the 23 rodeo didn't start till 25. Pardon? The rodeo in Tucson didn't start till 25. That was 28, I think. But wasn't, not, wasn't 23? Well, that darn thing was wrong. <laughs> I copied no, it down. No. Of course, it could be me. I, I, I transposed stuff. You know, <laughs> the first stuff. rodeo was in twenty-five, but yeah, my my granddad won it because my dad was pretty young then. Yeah, he was just young. But my granddad won it in twenty-five, twenty-six, seven, and eight. Yeah, and in twenty-nine he was second because my dad won it. <laughs> Talk about the the innovative healing from the right side in team roping. Uh, that, how, how they developed that? You know, I I really don't know because I never saw I never saw him do it any yeah. other way. Okay, but I I have an idea that it became and Asbury Shell was another one that they 
uh, credit for doing it. And I think that it all goes back to the fact that they learned to rope roping wherever they could uh, yeah. get a shot, mm-hmm. and they found that it was just easier on the right hand side. On the right hand side, except guys like well, Asbury Shell had a son named Eddie, and Eddie was left-handed, and uh, so he oh, it's just like in calf roping when that first guy stepped off the right side instead of the left, like yeah. everybody had always done, and it changed calf roping. Yeah. Well, we can take another break here. We can oh, take okay, our final break, break while you regroup and well, get your goodies get there. lost in my notes get here. <laughs> lost in the ozone, as it were. Uh, this is Emil Franzi's of Voices of the West. Harry Alexander and Bucker to France. Todd Roberts is not with us today. He's someplace doing something. He's getting closer to Anaheim. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back with much more of our program right after these important messages. Stay tuned. Got some great sponsors. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Hymas Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Hymas Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. That music just makes you want to get in the truck and pick up a rope and go do something. <laughs> Welcome Shape, back. Shapes and steers. <laughs> Welcome back to Abel Francis, Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France. Our guest is John Rhodes, his dad and grandfather, inducted into the Rodeo Hall of Fame. Pretty big, big, heady stuff. That, that is just way, way cool. What you got, Bunker? I want to throw a whole list of names at you here because these are some of the ropers of that day that your, your dad and granddad roped against. And it's amazing how many of these names I actually knew. <laughs> Chuck Shepard, uh, Breezy Cox, Dave Stout, Boozer Page, Dale Smith, Richard Merchant, Dale Haverty, Carl Arnold, Claude uh, Henson, Buckshot Sorrels, Fred Darnell, Ashbury Snell, uh, Bud Parker, Joe Green, uh, Joe Glenn, Marion Getzweiler, Cliff Watley, Jim Hudson, Maynard Gaylor, Lex Connolly, O.C. Glenn. Uh, Tony out of Morano. Yeah, I mean, you, you, this is all. Every one of these guys. That's like, them all. <laughs> yeah, and and every one of these guys 
is a, is an honorable candidate for that list. Yeah. Maynard Gaylor is Bud Parker's son-in-law. Yeah. Um, and his wife, Alice, and my mother grew up together, and she was my Aunt Alice always. Yeah. And Bud was my Uncle Bud. But uh, Aunt Alice was uh, Maynard's. Yeah. It's amazing there because, you know, like some of these guys, I knew their, I knew their, grand, their, their son or their grandson, you know. Mm-hmm. Some of them, they worked the picture business. Like the gets wild ones. Yeah. yeah, they're just amazing. They, uh, and and you'll find a lot of those names hanging on the wall in the Hall of Fame down there. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, oh, Buckshot, you know. And, well, yeah, but there's there's about six from Tucson, from Southern Arizona. Ropers yeah. Buckshot and um, and Dale. Oh, this was interesting. Your dad. Was a turtle before your granddad because your dad had the number forty six, and your granddad was fifty seven. Well, fifty six. <laughs> my dad, my uh, my dad and David Stout and Bud Parker were gotten were through roping and got in line before my granddad finished. And Bud Parker <laughs> got up there when 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 they got ready to register. They said, "Well, you." You're going to have to, if you can't win any money here because you're not registered in the Turtle Association yet, and it's $5. And I guess my dad and old Dave Stout kind of looked at each other, and Bud pulled out a $20 bill and says, here it is for all of us. <laughs> for the house here. I'm buying yes, for the house. $20 bill is a lot more yeah, money than it is today. That was a ton of money back then. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Gosh, it's still a ton of money today. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what. I used to, in in uh, in the early '60s. I used to go out on a date. I'd just put a twenty dollar bill in my wallet, and I'd generally have a little change left over. Of course, I wasn't a big spender, but uh, you could still have a good time on twenty dollars. This is why you're still single. <laughs> Why I'm single? Yeah. <laughs> it may well be. And say I ain't gonna marry that cheapskate. <laughs> too funny. Too yeah, I've funny. had I've had people say, "Well, you know, why did you stay in the Marine Corps and not go back to the ranch?" And I said, "Well, I found out that working on that ranch was a lot tougher than being in the Marine Corps." <laughs> yeah. I said, "Well, in the Marine Corps, I never had an old mad cow run over me or yeah. horse buck me off." Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's funny. What do we got here? Let me look around some more here. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, you mentioned before we went on about your dad uh, passing in a car accident out there. Uh, was there anything involved in that? Other well, than I don't know. He, uh, it, it, like I said, I, like I told you all before, that it happened in Pima County in an area where Pima County couldn't get couldn't get to it. There was miles for them to get to it. It yeah. was an isolated part of the county, and the other two counties wouldn't go in there. When they found him, he was already had already passed away, and his truck was rolled over in the ditch. In the next morning, and they don't even know when it happened oh, because if that, on that road between Benson and yeah. San Manuel, that's not much traffic along there. Well, I can I can and he had, like in New Mexico, you know, you go and it, it Arizona and New Mexico were both almost the same back then. Once you got off the main main highway, nothing was paid, and some of those places were pretty snaky. Well, he uh, he had a what he had what was called a lazy eye, yeah, and it used to roll back in it in his in his head, and I know that he suffered with that, and he and he wouldn't go to a doctor. Was, yeah, <laughs> was that a result of a rodeo accident? No, I don't I don't know I don't know what caused it. Uh, it happened while I was in the Marine Corps. And when I came back, my stepmother told me about it. He never even mentioned it. Hmm. But it's very possibly could have been, or he could have. I know he had a bad, he had a heart, had a heart problem. It could have been a heart attack. But you know, I, I thought this was kind of interesting that your dad was offered a spot uh, with Tex Austin's European Wild West show and turned him down. He, you know, he 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 could have been another Will Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was seventeen, yeah. and they were that they wanted him. He wanted him pretty bad. He wanted him because he was so young, and uh, he said no. I'm, Ropers were popular over yeah. there, and but he he wanted to be a rancher. He, I don't want to leave the ranch. I've got 
you know, I know, I know several guys that, uh, and this is more modern times, like uh, Danny Ohako went over there with one of these. You know, every couple of years somebody puts a show, a group together, and they go. And, and uh, Danny was saying, we got over there, the next thing we knew, because uh, he hadn't been paying his bills, the stock's been impounded, he's disappeared, and you got a you got a hotel full of cowboys with no money trying to get back home. Well, that's what started the Cowboy Turtle Association. Those guys would put on rodeos and promise them big purses, and they'd go all rope. Then the guy found out that he didn't have enough participation of uh, uh, people there to pay the bills and say, sorry, guys, you get 25 cents on the dollar. That's uh, why they ended up with the union or whatever you want to call it. I read a great article about the old boy that was the promoter at Boston. Yeah, where it started. Where they they had the big walkout. And the funny thing was he was was a big rancher in Texas. He was a businessman, started out and Ended up being a rancher and, and went in, saw these promoters coming through there and said, well, hell, I can do that and do it better and cheaper. And that was it. And his daughter married a rodeo cowboy, which he thought that was the worst thing on earth. <laughs> Here's a guy that's a rancher. He had no respect for the cowboys, but they they stuck it to him because after that it broke him. He said, I'm having nothing to do with rodeo. Yeah. And walked away from it. Yep. How has rodeo changed over the years? I think it's gotten away from the ranchers and cattlemen and things because, for one thing, they don't need to do that kind of thing on the ranch anymore. With the evolution of the squeeze shoots, you don't have to rope them and tie them down and brand them. You put them in a squeeze shoot and do it. And, you know, you don't, uh, so you've eliminated that. You've eliminated. A lot of the diseases, we used to do a lot of roping yeah. on the range because we'd find a cow that had, well, in those days, they were screw worms. They Almost they turned worms. cows into pets. And and uh, they, there was, uh, you'd have to doctor them, in, doctor them in the field, so you'd have to rope them out there. And, and I guess the, the, the advent, too, of, of schools, they put out a lot of schools. A lot of people that wanted to be a cowboy went to these schools and they were pretty good yeah. I mean you had to be a pretty good athlete but you you could do it with practice. yeah they're more ca- they're more athletes than cowboys yeah it's yeah. like the bull riders and those oh yeah some, Bobby Doveco who was a world champion for many years was a gang kid in New York and his buddies they went to a rodeo and they, they watched it and they were making fun of the cowboys and they said we'll come back tomorrow we'll put you on a bull and you'll see how funny it is and, but he came back got on the bull and, and when he hit the ground, he said, "I like this." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, but that's I think that's what what's better. It's gotten more away from the true because the true cowboys don't do all of that kind of stuff anymore. They've, it's got away from the ranch aspect. Sure, they've they've sophisticated even the, the the breaking of horses differently now. You know, they don't even they don't just throw up well, a saddle know, blanket on them and a saddle and get on and ride them till they quit ride until they stopped. Yeah, yeah I've uh, got I got a whole series of of. Uh, bucking horse photos that were shot out at the William S. Hart Ranch back in the 20s. And, you know, and, and it, you know, it, whoever took the photos would put the guy's names on the back of the horse and and, and wrote, wrote, and, you know, don't the most common things, rode him to a standstill. Yeah. Rode him to a stop. You know, it wasn't no eight seconds. Well, like bull riding, that was never a rodeo. No. Anyway, no. but it's exciting. You know, it's yeah. uh, well, more, feels more exciting than the golf to watch. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. excuse me, guys. <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you think about this too. You know, you go to those. Or look at the early rodeos. You know, like you'd go up north and they'd have chuck wagon races, wild horse races, stagecoach uh, races. They'd have all these different <laughs> events. And a lot of horse. There was a lot of match races went on in those early rodeos. Well, the, my dad and granddad, like I said, they're. They, they loved they would if there was a wild cow milking contest they yeah. were in it if there was a if there was a, a wild horse race they were involved competitive and match dra- matched ropings were a thing every rodeo had matched yeah. ropings after the rodeo was over with yeah the money flew and wow we are out of time John thank you so oh. much thank you so much appreciate it uh, we being can't here. be out of time well, unfortunately we are I'm having uh, too much fun I know I know. And uh, uh, congratulations uh, to your 
to you for your dad and grandfather. Thank you very much. Uh, what an honor. Thank you. Appreciate this I appreciate you having me on. It's next, a pleasure. Next week, uh, I have no idea what we're doing. We'll figure it out we'll sometime. Tiddly, we'll have a tiddly weeks contest. Con- there you go. There's some competition. You want to come in and be a commentator and call <laughs> call call the call the tiddlies? That's <laughs> all we got time for today. Okay, 78, 79, 80. So long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West. 